He's a sulky, over-funky, kinda hunky superhero. A two-fisted and electrically transistored superhero. An exotically neurotic and aquatic superhero. The Marvel superheroes have arrived. Hello, welcome to Marvel Vision, a Marvel Studios TV podcast brought to you by Cinema Sangha. My name is Devin Faraci. I'm one of the two hosts of this program. My co-host is... It is I, Sidney Feldman. How are you, Devin? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, this episode's late. I just got back from vacation, and uh, I thought I was going to be able to... Uh, well, first of all, when I was on vacation, I was staying at a condo, at a, a friend of the family's condo, and um, I had this vision of maybe recording an episode while I was there, but the internet was so fucking bad, it never would have happened. Um, and, uh, also I brought my Roku to be able to catch up on all the shows and I forgot the remote. That's right. So it was bad. So I, I had, I had to just, I had to just vacation. I had to just stay vacating. Which from what you told me before was not the most comfortable vacation is you got heat stroke and we had a good. We had a good time. We had a good time, but my girlfriend likes like an adventure vacation, and yeah. I my my vibe on vacation is like museums and reading books, and yeah. she likes that too. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, she likes museums and reading books also, yeah. um, but she likes to get out into the nature and hike and stuff like that and swim. And I'm less about that. And so, but you know what? Like, um, we we did we did what she wanted to do. There you go. So. Um, but I'm back from vacation. I am, I'm uh, three shades darker than when I left and, uh, I am ready to talk about, uh, Marvel Studios stuff. That's good because that's what I'm prepared for. (laughs) Good. Good. (laughs) What do we got? We got any Marvel Studios news this week? We've got a little bit of news. Not as much as I would think since we've been gone for a while, but we got some news. What do we got? Um, James Gunn has said that the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special will introduce, in his opinion, the greatest MCU characters of all time. So we'll see who those are. Very curious about this. He's de- he did specify that his opinion might be weird. It's his opinion. Yes, it is his opinion. That's, he had to be very clear on that. So we'll see who it could be because I don't know who it could be. Maybe I mean, it's got to be some kind of tertiary weird character because they're not going to allow him to introduce a major character in this, right? I, I would. You say. know who they could introduce and is part of the D- or the Marvel universe and part of the DC universe as well? Santa Claus could be Santa Claus. Um, yeah, Santa Claus funny. is a a a entity in the Marvel universe. He's a physical being in the Marvel universe. I hope it's the Aquarian. That's oh yes, who might be Jesus Christ? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be very fitting for a holiday special. Uh, really, Wondar, Wondar the Aquarian. I'd like uh, it if it was a buried alien, and they're like buried alien taking over the DC guys. Don't worry about it. Uh, but it's you know it could be it'd be funny if it was Adam Warlock. It'd be funny if Guardians Three he just decided he didn't want to do Adam Warlock anymore. <laughs> Because it's been so long now, like you know what yeah. I mean. Like it's been so long since they introduced that 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 shit in the finale of two. Yeah. That he just throws Adam Warlock into the uh, into the the holiday special. That'd be funny. Is the holiday special this year? No, no, not twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty two. Like it might even be twenty twenty three. I think I think it's twenty twenty two though. Okay. Because he's been showing off a lot of stuff for Guardians three. Like the work he's doing on that, not like showing anything specific, but like, you know, here's low. We're we're up to the point where we're doing the 
uh, you know, the pre-production and the script. Yeah, he's doing, he's, the script is done. The the actors have the script. Um, he, um, is doing, uh, he does storyboards and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, the, the holiday special is 2022. I'm assuming they're going to shoot these at the exact same time. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, in fact, I'm sure that's been announced. Um, but uh, yeah, he is going to. They're inspired by the Star Wars holiday special for this, so it's going to be interesting to see what they come up with. I hope you know what it's got to be is that they go visit Drax's family. Oh no, his family's dead, so they can't. <laughs> Definitely, that would be really weird. Yeah, it's probably I guess like Groot's planet then. And then if the first twenty minutes is just people saying "I am Groot" over and over again, that'd be pretty amazing. That'd be pretty good. That'd, that'd be, be pretty, pretty good. Pretty wild. That could be a group discovers that on, uh, on, on, on Peter Quill's planet, they chopped down a tree for the holiday. <laughs> yep. That's That'd horrifying. That would terrify him. I guess we'll find out. Uh, moving he's on. Doing another, he's, you know, he's doing another DCEU movie. He's doing another project. project. He yeah. hasn't said what it is. Yes. Yeah, besides really, Peacemaker. Besides Peacemaker, which they finished. Peacemaker's finished. Right? Yeah, Peacemaker comes out in January. We'll yeah. probably see the Peacemaker in about two weeks at DC uh, fandom. Right. Well, I'm really excited for Peacemaker. I'm, I'm very excited for Peacemaker. I'm very hopeful. Yeah. I'm really excited. After the suicide squad, I'm like all about it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm very, very hopeful for Peacemaker. I, I'm very much looking forward to it. All right. What, we'll what, what else we got? Uh, we've got uh, Scarlett Johansson and Disney have settled the lawsuit, the Black Widow lawsuit. So that's handled. Good for her. Yeah. And she said, uh, I'm very pleased that we were able to come to a mutual agreement. Oh, no, that's them. What did she say? Uh, I'm ha- very happy to resolve our differences with Disney. I'm incredibly proud of the work we've done together over the years and greatly enjoyed my creative relationship with the team. I look forward to continuing the collaboration for years to come. Well, she's making a movie with them already. Like she's she's in the middle of making a Disney movie. Yeah, yeah. Which one is it that she's making? I don't know. It's a. It's not Haunted Mansion, right? No, she's not doing that. She's doing another one. She's doing a, a Disney anyway. Um, they settled with her, but they cannot come to grips with the grips and the gaffers and everybody below the line. They they or threw the, four, the writers for or the writers. No, they threw that they have the rights to. They threw forty million dollars at ScarJo. Yep. Which is what she walked away with at the end of this. I mean, good for her. She deserves it, right? Uh, in no way saying that she doesn't deserve this. But no way. Like, so, yeah. like Disney opened the pockets. Yeah. Yeah. The problem is that the grips, the Hollywood Reporter's not going to write articles about them. Well, when when yeah. Deadline writes the article, it says IATSE is going to go on strike against Hollywood. And it's yes. like, no, no, they are Hollywood, guys. Like, that's it. Yeah. Like, these are the guys. They're, 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 they're what it runs on. Yeah. The, yeah. the the bus drivers don't go on strike against buses. No. No. I don't think so, at least. That's what I know of. <laughs> we, we hate, hate these buses. buses. We hate buses. <laughs> Down with buses, say the bus drivers. <laughs> Did you see the, the bus driver strike in, um, I want to say it was Hong Kong? Where they kept not. driving, it was very. It was a very interesting form of strike, where they the bus drivers kept showing up for work every day, driving their routes, picking up people, dropping them off when they were supposed to be dropped off on the bus, but they they refused to let anyone pay the the charge they were supposed to pay for the bus. That's incredible. Yeah, that's so incredible. everyone. You're not interrupting people's lives, but you're hurting the bus company by not collecting the the revenue. 
That's so cool. That's so yeah, cool. I was really impressed by that. That's very cool. I like that. Good, good thinking for those guys. Yeah. I, 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 this is not my me saying that they should not strike here in Hollywood. They hundred percent. They should. very much should. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, that's a, that's a pretty cool way of doing a strike, though. Like that's a very imaginative yeah. way of doing. You a can't strike. do that with Hollywood. <laughs> you can do that with buses. You can't do that. Like we're going to show up for work and make your movie every day, but we're going to make sure people don't buy tickets. Like that. There's no yeah, way there's for a, that to work. Yeah, that's not scalable to different yeah. industries. But within that industry, it's pretty clever. Um, yeah. And it's tough because one of the things about a strike is that you do run the risk of turning public uh, uh, perception against you, especially if it's like a, a service like the like the bus. People yes. don't like when that gets interrupted because that fucks up their own jobs. And yeah, that is obviously you, the yeah. point. That's obviously the point. But also, yeah. you are walking a high wire with that, right? And that's yeah. a good that's a good workaround, I think. I think that's a very good workaround. But that that's a very specific format. Like you can right. do that for that, or like I I don't know any other like. Any place else, any other form, I guess maybe Subway, you could do that, but you couldn't do it for like garbage men, you know, it right. doesn't work. It doesn't work for like Uber drivers. Right. So I don't know. I don't know how you do it. Well, good for Scar Joe. Good for, you know, she's still a worker, even though she's very rich, she's still technically a worker. Um, we stand with workers around here. So, yeah, good for her. What else we got? Uh, Venom made $90 million opening weekend. Well, you know, the it thing is, is big. The thing is that theatrical is over and superhero movies are done. So yes. I think that's what really explains Venom's $90 million opening weekend. <laughs> Remember when Black Widow like did like, okay. And people were like, well, superhero movies are over and Marvel's done. Superhero fatigue. Superhero fatigue. Don't you know? People yeah. are done with it. The, the, the pandemic made people realize they don't care about this stuff anymore. And then all of a sudden Shang-Chi shows up and then now Venom. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, by the way, keep in mind, Black Widow opened up higher than Shang-Chi, but everybody was like, oh, Black Widow, only $80 million opening weekend, superhero fatigue. Shang-Chi opens up to $75 million. Everyone's like, that's it. It proves that there's no fatigue. It's like, well, it opened up to less. Yeah, I don't really but, understand the box. You know, the box office pundits, the thing about the box office pundits. It's not just they don't know anything. I think a lot of them don't even like movies that much. Um, they just like the weird box office-ness of it all. It's like, it's, like the, it's like the Oscar people. They don't really like movies, a lot of them. They just care about like the horse race. It's like very exciting to them. Yeah. And for the box office people, there's like a lot of data stuff they get very excited about. And good for them. And I'm glad that they have found something that they're happy with. But I think that listening to them is dangerous for the rest of us. And so yes. – um, sometimes they have interesting perspectives, you know, and they do have good data at their fingertips. So I think that there is stuff to be learned from them, but they often make these sweeping generalizations like theatrical is dead or that, um, superhero movies are dead. Now I do think that theatrical is going to be changing. Yes. I think I that theatrical, the nature of it is changing. I think that Shang-Chi is a good example of how you can do that because that window is so collapsed that 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 movie is going to be on streaming very soon yeah and it still made a bunch of money in the in the, in the movie theater yeah <clears throat> now many saints of newark shows a way of not doing that but i mean here, here's the thing because many saints of newark made i think what five million five million yeah very bad was it ever gonna be a hit so i this is not a many saints of newark podcast i have not written my review of many saints of newark yet did you watch it i did so I liked it. I, I like the first half a lot more than the second half. I think the second um, half feels very rushed. I think it feels very rushed. It should have been a TV show. 
Yes. 100% should have been a miniseries. They should have done a six-episode miniseries. I mean, that's what it should have been. Like, it's not even, it's not even a question to me. It's 100% what it should have been. Um, but I, I enjoyed it. And the thing is, there's two things about it. One is that um, this movie was never going to be a big hit because it doesn't have any stars in it and because it it's does a, not feel like The Sopranos. It, well, it, and it's a prequel to a TV show that's been off the air for or off the air for like 20 years. Yeah, but and you know, The Sopranos is in a pretty good place culturally. People know it's the in Sopranos. a good place culturally, but it's like it's a prequel, so you it doesn't follow up on the story. You know, it's not going to be the characters you know and love. So well, you're sort like, of okay. is. Yeah, but but which is I think one problem in the movie is the characters that you do know and love. They they they're basically SNL sketch characters in in, in the movie. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. No. They're very Silvio smart. Silvio is. Yeah, it's tough, but they they're very smart in keeping them to the side. Yes. They're really like just like cameos. Like it really yes. is like they're super minor. Um I mean you and, wouldn't know that Paulie was Paulie except if they say his name at one point. Like that's the only Yeah, thing you and know. like there's like characters like like Tony Blundetto shows up as a kid, but like he's just one of the kids on the ice cream truck. Like you yeah. like, they don't even point him out. Like he's just there. Um so I think some of that stuff is pretty good. I think that Michael Gandolfini is really great. I think he does a very good job. Yeah, I think he's I really, really great. Um, but I think that because it doesn't feel like Sopranos, it doesn't have that comedy edge that Sopranos had because it yes. can't because it, it's it's got to put a lot of plot in two hours. And yes. Sopranos had that leg room where they could do like a lot of time of guys <laughs> just hanging around being dumb. It has one line that made me laugh really hard. Which one? Which was uh, when Neil Young gave that speech from the moon. That's and that's what the movie's missing, right? It's missing yeah. more of that stuff. Um, yeah, there's, there's no space for it. No, there's not. there's a really good scene with Tony and Livia in the kitchen where he's trying to get her on medication. That yes. also the movie doesn't have a lot of space for scenes like that. No, and uh, you want more like that. That's what The Sopranos is, and so the movie yeah. doesn't have that. So it was never going to satisfy in that way. But I think also the studio didn't believe in it. Frankly, I mean to be very honest, I, I with think you, I think rightfully didn't believe in it. Yeah, I know. I mean, yeah, I agree. I liked it. I mean, I I liked it, and I, I enjoyed it enough. But I I would not if I had gone to a theater to see it. I'd be like, kind of what I thought watching on HBO Max was like. This really should be like longer and a series, not a movie, because yeah, you're rushing yeah. through everything, and I'm not getting a feel for anything. Because no, it's a hundred percent the problem. Um, I do think that there's this opportunity to spin it off into a series, though. I mean, I, I mean, agree. It may not do well enough for them to ever bother. But no. Leslie Odom Jr.'s character, I think, could carry a series. Yes. And yeah. you do like black mobsters in Newark in the 70s. Like that's like a whole different thing. Like with Sopranos characters on the periphery. Like yeah. that could be really interesting. Yeah. Um, a little more junior in there and, you know, his rise and all that right. kind of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. but uh, I, you know, I, but I think that having it on HBO Max day of, I think, hurt it. Malignant, I think, got hurt by being on HBO Max day of. Because I think that's the kind of movie that I think that people would have um, con discovered yeah. in theaters in the second week. Well, I, I think that that that's a movie that would have had a much bigger first week. I don't know if it would have carried on to another week because audiences didn't seem to, to like it that much. But the horror fan base would have gone out that first week instead of watching on HBO Max. I think it might have had a second week. I think that I wonder if people would have heard enough because the there was a lot of positive reactions. I think the audience maybe didn't like it. They didn't understand what they were getting into with it. And I still don't understand what I was getting into with it. Like, <laughs> I'm not really sure what that movie's trying to be. Because um, it doesn't feel like a different any other James Wan movie. Like, it just doesn't yes. feel like one of his movies. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's doing things that I can't tell how serious he's being. Yeah. Well, it's another 
it's a reinvention for him, I think, which he's done before. I mean, I think if you watched Insidious and were like, hey, this is the guy who made Saw, you'd be like, really? Like, the thing about Insidious is that I don't like it, and I think that it's really corny. I think it's super, I think it's super fucking corny, and I think it's corny in many of the same ways that Malignant is corny. Yes. And I think that that's why I had a hard time with Malignant because I was like, oh, no, he's just gone hyper corny. Like well, I, I, It wasn't clear to me that he was like in on it. He's definitely in on it. There's he definitely no is. No, I know that now. Yeah. And, like, and he's in on it on uh, in Insidious as well. He's in on it. But now he just took it to that next level where he's like, I'm going full out. I'm going crazy. The, the problem is that he's not – I think he – the problem is that he's not an overly stylized filmmaker. Yeah, that is a huge where, problem for him. Yeah, If you take Malignant, if you take the same exact movie, give it to Sam Raimi, put in the Sam Raimi touches with the camera work. Everyone be like, I understand completely what this is. Yeah, he's having a hard time getting his tone across. Um, yeah. And it's also like the way that he directs the actors to act and stuff like that. It's like it's just not 100% landing tonally yeah. early on enough that you really understand it. Um, See, I think it, it, the, I don't know if this was originally in the movie or if they went back and put it in later because the opening scene is filled with like a very different feel than the rest of the movie. And that scene, tell, like watching that scene – to me, told me like, okay, this movie's gonna be real operatic and, and like wild. Well, you know what? Actually, uh, uh, Al Laverne, one of the best inter- internet critics going er, that's ever been, described watching the opening of that movie as he spent the first seven or eight minutes of that movie waiting for the scene where the character goes cut, cut, yes. and then because yes. it's, it's a fake horror movie, yeah. and he's like, it had every indication of being a bad fake horror movie, and so I think that he didn't hit the operatic or um, big Sam Raimi thing. I think he hit the fake horror movie note. I think, which is very, con- which was very confusing to me the same way that it was to Vern. And then I'm watching and I go, this isn't serious, right? Like, <laughs> I don't even mean like, and I don't even mean like in like, he's like having fun. I mean like, wait, what are you doing here? Yeah, uh, yeah. It just, he doesn't quite hit it the right way for me, for okay. me. And so when I watched it, I had that exact same feeling that Vern did, was I really kept waiting for the director to call cut and then for it to discover that our main character is an actor and then okay. she's in a horror movie. Do you know what I mean? I knew nothing about the movie too, by the way, Walking Dead. Yeah. I knew literally nothing. And so um, I re- it really did feel like a horror movie in a horror movie. Okay. See, for me it works perfectly. It, it was very reanimator feeling to me of like – I just don't think that he has the verve, the zhuzh of of a, of a, of a Stuart Gordon or a Sam Raimi. There's a oh no, he, he's not. He's no, no, no. He doesn't have that touch that they have. Without, and I love James Wan. I there's like maybe You're a two huge James, James Wan guy. I, yeah. The only one of his movies I definitively don't like is Saw, and I don't like Saw because I'm just not into that kind of thing. Like the torture porn stuff just doesn't do it for me. But uh, everything else of his, I've only seen Death Sentence once. But I remember liking Death Sentence. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of his stuff. So it's funny because also Saw – because Saw is so – because it's so hokey. There's yeah. a scene where um, uh, where there's like a car chase and you can just like see that they're on a black – they're on a black stage and they're just yes. guys just off camera shaking the cars. Like it's like, yeah. it's so obvious. And like that vibe is what Malignant has a lot, but yes. like he has like, you know, 39 million more dollars from Malignant <laughs> and yet he still has kind of that vibe. And um, the thing I wrote in my review is I think that he is going for something that is semi Brechtian. Um, it's not quite Brechtian. My, my girlfriend who's a theater major yelled at me for using Brechtian in this 
case because Brecht okay. was doing this. Brecht did plays that were intentionally distancing and that fractured audience in, uh, in, uh, involvement because he okay. wanted to distance you and wanted to bring call attention to political themes. Um, and obviously James Wan has no themes whatsoever that he's interested in um, except doing spooky houses. Yes. And, but he is, I feel like purposefully creating a distance between the audience and the film in the same way that when you go to a haunted house, you always know that it's a 19 year old kid wearing a mask that's yes. jumping out at you. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like agree. you have, you have both those things in your mind at the exact same time. And yeah. I think that's what he's going for. Um, but yeah, I, I yeah. wouldn't disagree with that in a lot of ways. What was, I forgot what it was, but something, another review of it pointed out that the, the movie, the house, that most of Malignant takes place in whenever you see it from the outside and they cut inside and like your mind instantly knows like, this is not the same place. Well, <laughs> that, that attic is like crazy. That's well, supposed to be but, the same house. Like, like, like the house is like from the outside, it's like a turn of the century Victorian house. So you know that all the rooms are very small when you look at it from the outside and then you go inside and the living room is like, 90 by by 180 and you're like there's, yeah. there's no way I'm he really likes here. he likes big phony spaces yes he likes he likes shooting on big sound stages he loves it and he can't do that like in the in the police station in this movie it's quite clearly an old banker department store it's like he yeah. didn't even he barely even bothered decorating the set like it's like really weird and he's he's like <laughs> doing that, thing. That, that felt like the kind of thing where it's like hey uh did you hear gleason's shut down it's going to open next weekend as something else, but we got a whole week. We can film something in there if you want. That's well, what that's the thing. Felt yeah. like. It has that feeling of like you're stealing shots on a $40 million Warner brothers movie. Right. I mean, it's like, it's like very strange, but that's like his aesthetic too. That's not just like, that's not just like a, an element of the movie. That's his aesthetic yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Like yeah I mean, in, you see it in all his movies. Yeah. He's always shooting on a, on a clear soundstage. It's yeah. always an obvious soundstage. I mean, like the conjuring movies look more like real movies than his other movies do. But, um, otherwise they always look like sound stages to me. Yeah. Um, but anyway, this is about uh, Marvel, I think. I guess. <laughs> what, what other what other news right. do we have? That's it, Venom. Ninety million. Great movie, by the way. Everyone go see it. We're gonna be doing that on our next episode of Watchmen, our yeah. monthly superhero movie deep dive. I still haven't watched it because I was on vacation when it came out. Oh I'm gonna God. have to go see it t- tomorrow, I think. And then we will um get together and do our episode about it. Um, and that'll be coming up in the next seven days, our episode about that. If you want to listen to that, it's available only to subscribers. It's subscribers at www.patreon.com slash cinema sangha, S A N G H A. And that's for the $5 and above. And that's once a month. We they're long, they're deep dives. They're real deep dives. And this one, I'm excited that you liked it because traditionally you don't like anything. I was positive I was going to hate this movie. And yeah, you were like grumbling about us doing yes, it for the podcast. Yes. And I loved every minute of it. I, this might be my favorite movie of the year. I'm not even wow. joking. Like, wow. It is so I, – I don't want to get too much into it here. Yeah, don't get into it. I haven't seen it. So let's not get into it at all. Uh, but I'm very excited to hear that. And it does sound to me like there's a future where Venom shows up in the MCU. We're going to have to discuss that. On we'll discuss that on Watchmen, Watchmen, but that's that's an interesting idea. You know, the the the, the idea that this movie is PG-13, um, I think, also speaks to Sony thinking about that. Well, they, I think they recognize they can't do, like, an R-rated franchise alongside. Here's the thing that I, I don't think I'm speaking out of school, is early on, when they were filming, they were like, it's a hard R movie. This is a hard right. R movie. And then it came out, and they're like, it's PG-13. And it seems to me... Clearly that at some point after making the movie, 
somebody at Marvel or somebody at Sony or somewhere in the long, along the line just like, hey, what if we connected this into the MCU in some way? But you got to make it PG-13 to do right. that. And they were like, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll figure that out. Because you you can see in the editing of the, of the movie, there's violence that's definitively just cut out very quickly. Yeah, and we're probably going to get like a director's cut or an unrated cut or something like that yeah. at some point in the future. But yeah, they want that PG-13. I think Deadpool can stay R. I think the nature of that character means that he can even comment on it. And, and also that he's already a proven R-rated success, where right. the first Venom was PG-13. So right. it's like, do you really want to play with that too much? I think that's the thing. I think they were the, you, you get cold feet, right? Like when yeah. you're going to take it to the next level too much. And then now that you want to connect it to the MCU, possibly um, Sony looks at this and says, wait, this is a, a good thing for us. Like this will make yeah. more money for us. So – uh, and, and you know what? I mean, honestly, like seeing Tom Hardy running around with Tom Hiddleston or something like that, or like, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I'm actually bummed that many of the phase one characters are gone. Cause I kind of want to see Tom Hardy with Captain America. I, I want to see him with everybody. <laughs> I really do. Like watching this movie. God, he is so insane in this movie. Like him, Woody Harrelson's insane. And nobody is giving, a good performance. Right. I, I don't want to say too much. We got to move on because I will talk about this for five hours right now. <laughs> oh, really boy. I, I, I saw it Thursday it night and I've been just thinking about it constantly since. I, okay. So I got to see it tomorrow so we can record as soon as possible to capture this energy. I'm so excited. Oh, man. I, I had to – I walked out of the theater and pulled out my phone and recorded myself doing notes because I was like, I'm going to forget things. I'm going to forget stuff. So Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's unreal for you. You never do stuff like that. No, no. I absolutely love this movie. I thought it was just amazing, just absolutely amazing. So there you go. That's really interesting. I mean so I, the thing is um, – the thing is is that uh, – this movie's made so much money now. The first one did really well, but this one's like such a big hit that this is really going to embolden Sony to do their own Spider-Verse movies now. Yes. All these Spider-Verse movies they keep threatening to make, this yeah. feels like the 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 match that's going to light that. Yeah. But then uh, what's it called will finally come out? Mobius or Morbius <laughs> and, and they're all back. Morbius, oh, yeah. Because <laughs> again, I don't want to say too much about this movie. The secret of this movie is you can feel the cocaine that influenced this film. <laughs> like, like, like you could feel it. This movie is just like we're just crazy. We're just, whatever. No, nobody thought we'd get a sequel. Let's just go. <laughs> so, um, so uh, there's some like I said, but there's some other stuff. By the way, uh, is that uh, I'm blocked by the Eternals news Twitter account. It turns out <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. I don't didn't, know why. Didn't, Somebody, oh, Amblin blocked you, right? Amblin blocked me. This I don't even like talking about this. This is hurtful. Uh, Amblin blocked me. Uh, the Steven Spielberg's company, or the social media person at Steven Spielberg's company, blocked me, and it was really heartbreaking because uh, I have been never been anything but wonderful about Amblin. I really like Amblin. Uh, I'm pro Amblin. Uh, I don't really know what happened, uh, that they saw me and decided they didn't want me following them anymore, but they definitely did it. They definitely blocked me. Truly, truly broke my heart. Yeah. I'm still blocked by Amblin. I'm never going to get information about Tom Hanks as Finch on Apple TV plus. Um, but the Eternals news Twitter account that I'm blocked by 
has the Eternals Monopoly game. There's Eternals Lego set. Uh, yeah, there's that, all this new Eternal stuff popping up. Yeah, and there's a new teaser as well that came out today, but it doesn't really show anything. And and the 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 Monopoly set, people are like, this is going to tell you all the places you see in the movie. But there's like 47 spots on that on a Monopoly board. So I don't think they're going to 47 different <laughs> locations in this movie. So I'm not going to, you know, I'm sure the locations of the movie are in there somewhere, but like, right. are they going to all of those? I, I doubt it. You know? Right. And I'm pulling 47 <laughs> out of my ass. I don't know how many spots there are on a Monopoly board, but there's a lot. Yeah. Um, there's also, I guess, a ring that it comes with this Monopoly game that appears to be... Um, uh, related Black to Knights. Black Knight, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't remember a ring with the Black Knight, but I mean, I, there probably is one. I don't remember much from the Black Knight in general. I remember his sword and his his um, his horse. He's super cool looking. The character, he's um, cool looking. I remember he had a, a robot horse for a while. Yeah, he's a, he's a cool character from uh, a, a, speci- a very specific cool run of the Avengers he was in. Um, yeah. But uh, so they're obviously setting him up for his own Black Knight shit. Maybe that'll be a Disney Plus show or something like that. I mean, he was playing. We knew he was playing Dane Whitman the whole time. Like we, yeah. we knew that. Um, but if they're really, if they're not just using the name, if they're actually going to use the character, yeah. make it a, which makes a lot of sense, all things considered. Um, but um, I'm excited about Eternals. I am as well. I'm very excited. I heard it's very long. It's longer than Endgame. It's uh, two hours thirty five minutes, I think, or something like. I thought I heard forty three. 43 it's, it's longer than Endgame. that's all yeah. i remember here. that's yeah. pretty that's a big swing for marvel that is that is and it, it seems like it feels like this is the one where they're like we're going for best picture like we're going we're going for oscars with this guy like this is There's not, no chance but who uh, knows you never yeah know. you never know but i don't think so i mean what else is there this year there's still there's stuff this year. Um, in fact, uh, the new Ben uh, Venom, Venom the, new, the new the new the new George Clooney movie just debuted tonight. The Tender Bar, starring Ben Affleck. Um, that's an Oscar movie. Um, there's a whole bunch of Oscar movies that have been playing at the festivals this year so far. Uh, so there's they, they exist. It isn't like last year where there were no movies. And but, so but they're going to promising do... young woman ended up um, kind yeah. of. It was like yeah. weird. You're like, wow, and that's then, yeah, that's not really an Oscar movie. But um, I feel like but, they're going to want to do like, look, we can still do big and broad, and that's what Dune know. is for. I don't think Dune's going to. Spoilers. Dune, I think Dune's going to be a, a, a failure. Dune's, <laughs> Dune's, Dune's already doing well overseas. But but I, I I don't think it's like I just don't think it's going to leave much of a mark. I think it's going to do fine, like money wise, but like. So I so here's the thing I think it's going to everything is it's brown and gray that's the no it's movie. no did you do you that's read any the trailers that's all the trailers are no did you read any of the I reviews? don't read reviews well then don't keep saying that's what the trailers are the reviews are all talking about how it's the, the most what do most people what do most people see the reviews or the trailers the reviews have all been saying it's one of the most stunning looking motion pictures ever made um, people talk about how gorgeous and unbelievable it looks. Um, especially on a, on the big screen formats on IMAX and stuff like yes. that. That's I the them stuff that, that people Blade Runner and that movie is brown and gray. That's stuff that people are going to hear and they're going to come for. I don't want to argue about Dune. It doesn't make a difference if it's a hit. It's going to make enough, it's already made enough money to get an Oscar nomination. It's gonna if there's going to be a populist Oscar Best Picture, it's going to be Dune. Your other movies this year, I mean, there's like a bunch of really fucking strong contenders this year. Belfast, 
um, uh, is is a lock for uh, Best Picture nomination. Power of the Dog is a lock for Best Picture nomination. Uh, Tragedy of Macbeth is a lock for Best Picture nomination. Um, King Richard, probably a lock. Well, maybe. Um, depending on it, Tick, Tick, Boom has got a real chance as well. Um, there's like a lot of – and then Licorice Pizza comes out next month and nobody knows anything about that. Well, the um, trilogy Coda, that. The trilogy came out, but that's all – We nobody's seen anything else from this movie and it's coming yeah. out in fucking a month. Um yeah. But there's other movies that are like Coda has a shot, even though it's gonna it's an underdog because it was an early runner. Um, depending on how West Side wasn't Story that, is, wasn't that Apple TV though? It debuted in theaters. Oh, didn't it? okay. I thought yeah. that went straight to Apple. No, they 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 did they did the correct play on that okay. um, because they did that on purpose because they want the Oscar. Um, West Side Story's got a, a good chance. Um, Spencer has got a huge good chance on hitting some things. Um, I don't think House of Gucci's got a chance. French Dispatch, maybe. Um, but I don't think that the Eternals has a reasonable chance at all. I think House of Gucci has a chance of being on podcasts that discuss big budget movies that do badly. And aren't yeah, that that's I think it has a very good chance. That is made for that. how did this get made. That's what that's for. Um, but I would, I would say that Dune has – I would say that I would be – with a 10 – picture field for best picture i say that dune has a very strong chance a very very strong the, the reviews out of venice were fucking rapturous i mean absolutely rapturous reviews yeah, we'll see people fucking loved it and it's doing well overseas right now i mean i don't know how it's going to do here it's going to be day and date on hbo max which is going to be a problem for it um but uh that i think you know really you know, there's a new Almodovar this year. That's always a fucking runner. I mean, being the uh, being the Ricardo still has coming out. Um, supposedly, I think. Um, I don't think that's going to have a chance. That looks ridiculous to me. Um, but I do think that King Richard might sneak in, even though I think it looks like trash. I've heard good things about it. That's the one where Will Smith is the um, yeah. father of Serena and Venus Williams. That, that, that feels like it, it's made just so that people can write, you know, hot takes on on the internet. Well, the trailer, I was like, in a different version of this movie, he's the villain. In their lives, he seems like he was the villain. Well, it's like there's like, a bit in the trailer where he's like, you know, he talks about having an 80-page plan for their lives that he wrote before they were born. And I was like, that's not cool. That's bad. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm saying is like everything I've ever read about the guy is like he doesn't sound like a, a great father. He sounds very overbearing and rough. But Yeah. And then there's also, I mean, probably the number one runner for Best Picture this year, Dear Evan Hansen. No, because it's Venom. It's Venom 2. Venom 2 versus Dear Evan Hansen for yeah, the Oscars those are the big ones. I'm, I'm not even kidding. I, Venom should be a billion-dollar moneymaker when all the Oscars. That's my opinion <laughs> on it right now. That's my opinion. I love that minute of that movie. Speaking of your opinions, I'm interested in hearing your opinions on this week's episode of What If. What do you think? I think we got to do facts. Fuck facts. That's right. God damn. I yeah. thought I had a really good segue right there. Oh, man. No. No. All right. Do the facts. All right. Who else? Uh, or I'm sorry. Let me rephrase this. What role did Liam Hemsworth audition for in the Marvel Universe? Loki. Thor. Thor too, huh? What do you yeah. know? Yeah. Uh. Who did Marvel originally want to play the Hulk for the Incredible Hulk? Like other, like other than who? Wait, Ed Norton plays it, but who right. was their original choice? Oh, okay. I was to say, like other than Ed Norton, uh, yeah. who was their original choice? I don't actually know. 
Mark Ruffalo. Mm, I don't know about that. We'll, 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 we'll take that at face value. Yeah. What two roles does Benedict Cumberbatch play in the Marvel Universe? Um, he plays Doctor Strange. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. What else? Dormammu. Oh, he's Dormammu's voice. Yeah. Or is he motion capture? Is he voice or motion capture? I, I think know. he's just voice. Because it's just a big floating head, so there's no motion to capture, right? I don't remember. In the movie? Who remembers these movies? Not me. I just have a podcast about them. <laughs> there you go. All right. Now, are you ready to give me your opinions about the latest episode of What If? Yep. Let's do it. What If, Season 1, Episode 8, What If, Ultron 1, W-O-N, by the way. (laughs) Uh, So this episode uh, doesn't have like a really specific point. It's just like a conceptual point because in our universe, um, Ultron was trying to upload his consciousness into the body of the Vision. And in our universe, it doesn't happen. In our universe, the Avengers stop it. They steal the cradle. They birth the Vision. He becomes a hero and uh, then gets a TV show. Uh, But in this universe that we're following in this episode, that does not – we don't know why, like what they fail at. They fail somewhere along the way. And Ultron uploads his consciousness into the the vibranium body of the Vision. And uh, with the uh, Mind Stone, uh, he is able to take out the entire Avengers. Um, We really only see him taking out Tony Stark pretty much. Well, we we see like Hulk and Thor laying on the ground, right? Right. So we know he took them all down. But it wouldn't be an episode of What If if Iron Man didn't die. Yes. At this point, that is like the number one thing that happens in one of these episodes is that Iron Man dies. (laughs) Although he wasn't in the last one. What if Thor was an only child where he should have shown up? That's because he was already dead. I guess so. <laughs> he had died long before. Uh, they, they didn't get him the uh, the cure for exactly the disease he was, from Iron Man yeah. uh, So, uh, because he has defeated the Avengers with his uh, super powerful body, he is able to launch Earth's nuclear missiles, which was his plan. His very first plan in Age of Ultron, you might recall was to get into the nuclear missile systems and launch them all to wipe out all life on Earth because there's too much chaos in life. Yes. And uh, he does it. He launches the fucking missiles. And the only survivors are going to be Black Widow Black Widow, and Hawkeye because they are in a Quinjet on their way to try to stop the um, satellite system, but they're too late, and they watch all the missiles go off, and they see the Earth nuked to dust. Yes. Uh, and that's where the episode begins, by the way. It begins with Ultron destroying uh, everything. Um, and uh, what, what what happens is that um, Ultron basically creates all of these centuries, and then he just realizes there's other planets out there that he has to go continue his mission on these other planets. And uh, it's kind of weird because he only becomes aware of these other planets like at this point in the thing. You would think that would be like among the first things he would know. Yeah, he, he only becomes aware that there's life on other planets then, 
And at first I was like, yeah, okay. And I was like, wait, but in Avengers, they've already dealt with aliens. So in Ultron should know that. Yeah. He knows I, all of human knowledge. So yeah, you would think, but whatever. Um, yeah, it's yeah, not we, a big deal. I don't know if I'm getting the time, the, 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 um, order of these events correct. And it jumps um, around in time this episode. Yeah. So I'm just going to take the, I'm going to take it in chronological order. Yeah. Um, and then, so he shows up and he realizes there's other plans. Well, actually before that happens, he's like looking at the, what, what he's done. He's destroyed all life on earth as far as he knows. And then just at that moment, Thanos steps through a portal to come take the final stone. And Ultron just cuts him right in half. I mean, just like, doesn't even like blink, just cuts him right in half. <laughs> Which is really something when that happened, I was like, Man, it was real dumb that they took Vision off the table in the fight. <laughs> like, well, I thought the, about this in Infinity a lot. War. Like, I thought about this. Yeah, it's 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 a pretty incredible thing. I don't think that Vision could have done that. No, no, I think that um, there's a couple of reasons why this worked. I think, and I, I thought about. it. I said, is this one of these things? And this is like a real. Uh, what if comic problem too, where characters just really use their powers in ways they never would in the comics. Like, yeah, just it, like, it, it, it's comic book shop talk where you're like, Superman will just blow his brains out with, with right. a snap of his fingers. But the, yeah. the reason why I think vision wouldn't do this is a couple of reasons. One is that Ultron has the element of surprise on Thanos because Ultron's first instinct upon thinking Thanos is just to cut him in half. Like it's yeah. like nothing else. Like his first thing he does is cut him in half. Like there's like, Thanos doesn't there's even no have to say anything. Yeah. Yeah. And so that I think is part of it. So vision wouldn't do that. Yeah. Uh, I think the other thing is that I don't know that the vision would go for that kill shot in that same way is the other piece of it. I think that he would try to like wound or disarm Thanos yeah. as opposed to just fucking bisecting him. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a, a big part of it. I think that having this power, this is a, with great power comes great responsibility situation. You know what I mean? Like uh, Ultron, yeah, Ultron just fucking does terrible things with his powers because he's ter- he's a bad guy. Yes. But it's pretty cool. And when Ultron gets all the the stones, he sends these little nanites, it looks like, to pick up the stones, and then he makes a battle armor that looks like his old Ultron body around the Vision's body, and he puts them on his chest, which I like quite a bit because that is a thing that I did not like in the Avengers movies was that the use of the infinity stones was premised on him having a mechanical glove that like activated them. Yeah. It's stupid. You could just put the stones wherever the fuck you want. Like you could yeah. wear them as like a, you could wear them as a butt plug. I mean, it doesn't matter. Like it's just that you have to have control over them. That's all that matters is you have to yeah. have them on your person. And so they're all over his chest. It looks pretty cool. in his suit. It looks very cool. It looks very um, cool. And that's when he becomes aware of life on other planets. Um, and then he becomes aware of life on planets that we have seen only in the MCU, which I really like. But so it was really funny. <laughs> Was that it was like a pretty comprehensive tour of planets that we've seen in the MCU, but yes. only planets that we've seen in the MCU. Yeah, we we don't go to to other planets. We don't go to like the Brackley race from X Men or anything like that. Right. Yeah. There's just no, no Shi'ar like, Empire. Right. There's <laughs> nothing. And these these things might show up in the MCU at some point, but they obviously can't introduce them here because yeah. they haven't been designed by the official MCU people yet. So you can only go where there are designs. And he goes out and he just wrecks Asgard. He destroys the Sovereign, killing the Guardians of the Galaxy in the process. He destroys Sakaar. He destroys Ego, the Living Planet. Um, it, I wish that there was like a voiceover where uh, the Watcher's like, these are just the ones that you guys know. He, he did a lot of other ones too. Well, well, here's one weird thing is that he goes and he fights Ego. And I was like, oh, this must be where Kurt Russell is going to come back. Because Kurt Russell had one line in one episode. No, Kurt, no, no, no speaking from Ego, the Living Planet. I was very surprised. Well, I wonder if he's going to come back in that final episode. 
I, I, I guess maybe. Right, because they're going to they're obviously gathering an interdimensional array of Avengers here. Yeah. Um so uh Captain he goes Marvel to show up though. Captain Marvel does show up again. He goes to Xandar and Captain Marvel shows up and they once again the what if's entire premise is what if we tried to convince you Captain Marvel was cool. Like that's like the main premise of the entire series <laughs> because she does more stuff in this this series than she does ever in any Marvel thing ever yet, yes. including her own movie. And she's dropping uh, pop culture references that I don't think she would know. She would know. She would know the first Terminator. But she says, I've seen the sequel. No, she says, I don't, we don't need a sequel. Oh, that's what That's the joke. The joke yeah, is that yeah. she left Earth before Terminator 2 came out. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's the joke. So yeah. that's where your 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 pop culture. But like, it's like you have to really. I'm not even sure if it's 100 percent even correct in terms of the timelines, but it, close enough. Um, so she says she doesn't need a sequel. She's seen the she's seen the first movie. Um, and I'll she that they didn't see what? was Infinity War. Why? Because that planet is already destroyed by Thanos by that point. He's already he's got the stones, and they, there was a stone there. Oh wow! Good fucking point. Yep. I didn't even really think about me. that. That is really annoying because he does have the stone that he took from Xandar. Yeah, you're right. That actually sucks. Yep. It really annoyed me. They've done that a couple of times on the show where they just kind of ignore their own continuity. Of yeah, and like it doesn't feel like there's enough butterfly effect to make that make sense. The yeah. timeline is too short. And if he has that stone from Xandar – he should have destroyed Xandar. Like, like there's no reason why Ultron taking over Earth stops the Guardians of the Galaxy from getting the stone and, and, put, and putting on Xandar. You know? Well, they definitely did because we see them on with the Sovereign, which is the beginning of Guardians 2. Yes. So yeah. they've already done the thing with the stone. We, yeah, they, we, we know done, this because it, it, yeah. this happens during the beginning of Guardians 2. Yeah. So, yeah, that's fu- that's a fuck up. Well, that's the end of this show. I think that we should just cancel this show. I've been saying that, that since like the third episode of the series. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm down. <laughs> well, anyway, even though it doesn't make any sense continuity-wise, she drives Ultron deep into the molten core of Xandar where they have a fist fight and – I'm going to tell you something. I don't know how you're going to end up feeling about this episode, but this episode has a number of battles that I wish they would attempt in the movies. I agree. I fully agree with that. Like, this is 100% what I want to see in a fucking movie. I want to see them fucking fighting in the molten core of a planet. Like, I 100% want to see that happen. Yes. Um, I don't want to see cities destroyed. I don't want to see people fighting on docks or wharfs. I don't want to see you know, whatever. I want to see fucking people fighting in multiple planets. I want to see people punching each other through dimensional barriers. Like that's what I want to see. It's the constant cry now in my mind of the superhero fan where all the animated series do the coolest action scenes. And you're like, they could do this in the movies now. And I don't know why they don't. And it's very, it bums me out a little bit. Not only could they technically do it, but audiences are now primed for it. Yeah. I, I spent mean, a long this, time building to it. You know, where they drive each other into the, the core, the molten core of the planet, they did it, the same thing on uh, Justice League Unlimited, where Superman and Doomsday fight, and they punch each other to the core, to the core of Earth, and it causes Earth, like earthquakes and volcanoes to go off, which the rest of the Justice League is handling that, keeping everybody safe from that stuff, while they're fighting in the, in the center of the Earth. And it's like, that's amazing. That's great. 
There has to be some fucking executive who's like, no, this is going to look too cartoonish. We can't do it in live action. People aren't going to accept it. But I think that's bullshit, and I think people fucking are dying for stuff like that. Yeah. And I think that when you – like Godzilla versus Kong, I feel like is a good example. I mean audiences are like super into that. Like I don't like the Godzilla movies. I'm not a huge Kong guy. But when Godzilla scream fires – through the earth and then looks down and sees Kong in the center of the earth and Kong just runs up to him. (laughs) However that worked out, one of the greatest moments in film history, in my opinion. That's what you want out of these movies. You don't don't want your fights to be too realistic. You want them to have that edge. Like that's what you really, really want. And so this is one of many fights in this episode that I was like, this is what we need in the MCU. We need this. Um, he kills her though, uh, because he has all the stones. I don't even know why he even bothers fighting her. He just does. He could have just fucking wiped her out. And as we see later on in the episode, he actually is not suffering from Thanos's paucity of imagination. He actually has a tremendous imagination in using yes. the stones. Yes. Um, so, uh, but he I guess he turns himself into a giant and bites a planet in half. He like, bites a fucking galaxy. He bites a fucking galaxy. Are you kidding that's me? Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's right out of like. The stuff that DC used to do in the seventies with the Spectre, you know, yeah. where it's like, like the Spectre grows into such an immense size, and he keeps the two different Earths separated, you know, by pulling them apart and stuff. And it's like, yes. So he he manages to wipe out all life in the universe. He kills everybody. He does it. He's he manages to do it. He could have done it. He seems to do it the hard way. He could have done it easier. It seems like, yeah. um, because he's, Thanos he's certainly a did it. Guy. He is a hands-on guy. He wants to make sure it gets done. But he does it, and then except when he's for done, two people, apparently. well, except for two people, when he's f- finally does it, he has his look upon my works, ye mighty and despair. Uh, there are no more. Uh, uh, like, uh, what, is, what is the rest of that? There's no, nothing else to conquer. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'm supposed to be this a smart person. I'm supposed to be a learned smart person. I'm reading a biography of Muhammad right now. Uh, I just signed up for a whole bunch of spring classes for college. I'm supposed to be smart, but I don't remember anything. Uh, Alexander wept for there were no more lands. Is that what it is? Anyway, um, somebody's going to be yelling. In the, I had a, a comment on the last episode. Uh, and somebody was like, for the first time ever, you guys got something wrong. Uh, and well, that's not true. <laughs> and, and I was just yelling at my, 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 my thing. Uh, but, uh, cause, cause we, I got a comment not too long ago about how we gave, uh, Grant Morrison credit for an Alan Moore story. Oh, uh, so, boy. You know, well, yeah. uh, Alexander wept for there were no more worlds to conquer. And that's what Ultron ends up doing because he's standing on this like asteroid in the middle of space. He has wiped out all life, all life yeah. on uh, the earth and uh, on the universe, and he has nothing else to do. He's a program without purpose. And in fact, the Watcher shows up and starts telling us all of this, and then Ultron goes, who the fuck is talking? Now, this was a moment, I have a million questions about this point. I hope you're ready to discuss this well into the the morning, because, okay, first off, he, the Watcher is apparently narrating these things in real time, is what we learn in this moment, right? Yeah, sure, why not? Two, he doesn't know what the narration's going to be. He's just saying things, and he's shocked when he says something that he didn't know he was going to say. Right? Because he stops mid-sentence. He's like, what? What? Like, he catches himself shocked. So that means, like, what the fuck is the Watcher doing? What a weirdo that he's just walking around. And he narrates about himself in third person. Let's not forget that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a weird thing going on here. 
right? Like I had taken it previously as we're hearing him. He's looking back on things and he's watching stuff. Like there's the bit in the Dr. Strange episode where Dr. Strange senses him, but doesn't hear him. Right. He only right. senses so him. I'm going to say that what he's doing, he exists. So in the Marvel comics, he lives on the moon. Right. And um, that's like not, that's like a very 1967 yes. idea. Right. Yeah. So like they, they, in this, they've moved him to some kind of interdimensional space. Yeah, he, he, lives lives, he lives in between the universes. He lives, he lives, let's say he lives in the gutters between comic book panels, or that's where he lives, right? So what he can do is he can look at the whole page of a comic book and he can talk to us about it and like talk about what's happening on the page because he sees it all happening. Um, but I think the thing is, is that there is an element of the Ultron, this version of Ultron, um, because he says later on in the episode, I have seen everything that ever is, can be, will be, and I've never seen this. I think that's what it is. It's this unexpected thing that twists it all around and so now he has lost that omnipotence um well that, i'm sorry that omniscience he's not he's not, omnip- he's not omnipotent he's omniscient but this has broken the omniscience there's something that has happened that is outside of his scope of understanding or seeing and yeah. then that has f- really put him on his fucking heels like so okay. he's like very weirded out by that this does not feel like a thing that is unusual in the comics this feels like a comic book storyline to me yeah, I, this, I don't disagree. It was just funny in in TV. It, it reads differently, you know. No, hundred percent. Because like he's like like in the comics, like he'll be standing over things and narrating. And it's not really clear if he's like telling the story. He, he again, he shows up to the Fantastic Four and they talk to him again and again and again. Yeah, I mean, like so he's like a character that interacts with people on occasion. You can see him. You you could go to the moon and see him. At one point, he got assassinated on the moon. Um, so yes. and his eyes his eyes got taken out. Um, but. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting way of doing it, and I think that what what he's doing is that he is basically here. You know what the best analogy is? The Watcher is Twitch streaming this to us. Well, I, I put it as the Watcher is the guy who likes to talk during the movie in the theater. He's also like that he talks right? to the screen. Well, he's already seen the movie though, and he's he's talking over it. He goes, "This is a good part." You wait, wait. This is the best part right here. Like he's like that guy. But, but, but later on, he's also like, "No, just that one right there. Pick that one right there." <laughs> and it's like, "Hey, man." Shut up. I'm trying to watch this. <laughs> uh, so um, Ultron, I think because of the nature of Ultron, he doesn't understand that he has ascended until this point. Yes. Because I, I think that he that. doesn't understand the metaphysics of it and is maybe not even interested in the metaphysics of it. And it's not until he re- realizes that he can hear somebody from a different universe speaking that he even begins to like go into it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's when he realizes, oh shit, I have with these stones, I have transcended this universe. Like I'm he doesn't even didn't realize he's God until now, you know? Yeah. Um, and so he goes hunting for the watcher. Um, some time seems to pass, by the way. Because when I'm, he does find the watcher, he says, At last. Yes. I found like you. he's been traveling through universes or something. Um, so uh the the watcher is like, shit, <laughs> this is very fucking bad. And he like does that thing where he closes the window. Yes. Like, <laughs> well, he just he does the bit where like he closes it and he holds off for me. He's like, yeah, it's gonna be fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's totally like, fine. Like he's sitting in his window peeping at somebody, and then they turn and look at him, and he just drops the fucking blind. Yeah, and he's he like, okay, okay. He's like, they didn't see me. They didn't see me. It's fine. <laughs> it's so funny. It's fine. We're fine. Don't worry. About it's it. funny because later on, Ultron calls him out for being a creep. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he's like, shit. He goes, this is fucking bad because now this guy knows about the multiverse. And 
he says, shit, I'm going to, there's still hope though, that, that in that universe that he comes from, there's still hope. And so we go back and what we have is we have Natasha and Clint and they are, um, in Moscow and they, we open with like an action scene with them where they are like beating up like a, a group of centuries. Clint has one arm. Yes. He's got he's a got robot a arm. arm. Yeah. Not sure it's who put that on him. Yeah. It, there's a lot. I mean, it's, of it's cool. It's yeah, very it's, cool. It's just cool. Like, I think that's what it yeah. is. Like the question is who put that on him? Dr. Cool put it on him. Yeah. You know, like, I, I mean, it. It, it's your basic comic book, bad future stuff where it's like, yeah, he's got a robot arm now. Like, do you know what's funny watching this? Um, I was thinking to myself, like how different, like how about a, what if, what if days of future past had never been published? Yeah. Like it's so much a piece of comics and now, nowadays of um of, of of even these movies this yeah. like dystopian like our characters become aware of a dystopian future or a dystopian reality and they have to fix it or change it or something like that that's like really really common yeah and i don't yeah. think that it probably didn't start with days of future past well, I'm, sure, I mean, I'm sure they the time machine <laughs> right he goes in the future and everything's terrible he's like i gotta figure out why things went bad and Sort of. I don't think right. he has to figure out why things went bad. I think he just goes home. I think he's just like, oh, this sucks. I think that's like, I don't think there's like a big, like, I have to change the future thing. The may, maybe Also, Back be, to the Future 2, although that's after Days of Future Yes, past, after Days of Future Past, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm sure this stuff, somebody's going to also now yelling at their fucking iPad, iPod as, as, as they're listening to this. I'm sure um, there's like a Star Trek episode out there somewhere. There's a million of them, right? I mean, like, I'm sure this is, it's not Doctor new. Who. But, yeah, but I feel like the foundational one in this corner of the universe is Days of Future for, Past. For comics, it's Days of Future Past. It is the, the one, the thing. Because it's it's about like let's look at a bad future where all of our heroes have lost and died. Like yeah. that's what that is, you know. And and oh, Earth X, duh. I guess that, that kind of fits. Earth X was the sixties, uh, late sixties, early seventies. I want to say. Well, I mean, it's different. It's where the Nazis have won World War Two, mm. but I mean, it's a little different. It's a little like I wouldn't say it's a direct correlation. And that yeah. actually, that actually is probably riffing on the man in the high castle. Um, yeah. Frankly, they're probably riffing on that. Um, but uh, or the Star Trek episode where that's riffing on the man in the high castle, right? Is I there a Star Trek episode where the Nazis? The, were, yeah, there. But that's but that's a that's a weird episode because the premise in that episode uh, is that a Federation uh, sociologist uh, goes to a planet and gives them Nazism because <laughs> he thinks it might be the best form of government, but he takes the hate out of it. Um, and, uh, I, it's like a truly weird fucking premise. Um, you know, Man in the Castle, the original, um, novel is 62. So yeah, I think that that probably did impact all of this shit. I mean, I guess the Man in the High Castle is, is ground zero for this stuff, yeah. right? There but, but, but there's something about Days of Future Past that it all feels like it's riffing on Days of Future Past. I, I mean, the, the, in comics, the aesthetic of it all comes from Days of the Future Past. Always, every yeah. time. Everyone's um, wearing the tattered clothes that are their new uniforms in some fashion. And right. Like, yeah. And know, that's and what then, is happening here. And then later on, I would say the next big evolution of that is uh, Rob Liefeld and Cable because he brings in the metal arm, the cybernetic eye. Like he starts taking things from Terminator, so to speak, and right. putting it into the comics. And then it becomes – that's what everybody is now. They well, always got the scar, you know, when it's the future version and whatnot. So what 
what we're doing here is riffing on that, but we're also riffing on, believe it or not, a comic book story called Age of Ultron that tells this exact same storyline. Yes. Uh, and that was in the early 2000s, and that's an alternate Earth storyline where Ultron conquers the Earth. Yes. Um, and it's, it's aesthetically, it has a lot in common with this, but in that, many more of the heroes are alive. It's not down to just two of them. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, they're, they we, we see them outwitting these centuries. They have 90 seconds upon being detected before they link up to the hive mind. And they're, you know, they're a well-oiled machine taking out these centuries. We get a good action, a, a very good action sequence, I think. Yes. Especially when she brings the bike in to take out the heads of the two Ultron. It seems very good. overly dangerous of a maneuver. She could have landed right on Clint. It is 100%. 100% too uh too dangerous but boy did I fucking like it. Um the action in this episode's terrific. A, a few too many slow motion arrows into robot head shots for me. Yeah. They do it this like one, every third shot. It's like all right man, I get it. This one feels really um influenced by anime in a big, in a big way. Yes, I agree. There's a lot of that. Um, so they're in Siberia because, and I don't think, I think this is dumb, but whatever. Um, though they're in Moscow to get the KGB files. Yeah. And um, the reason why is because Natasha Romanoff figures that if there's a secret, the KGB has it. And I'm like, okay, I guess. Like, whatever. Like, well, whatever we need to move the storyline along. Here's the, the, well, she, I mean, she's like, look, they're going to have it on paper. The, the KGB never trusted electronics. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. But then she's also like, okay, we just got to look through everything until we find something. And then when they find it, she's like, yeah, this is what I was looking for. It's like, well, why didn't you just go look through the files marked under then like um, Zola? Yeah. Or Zola. Yeah. Like start in the Z's. Don't just start randomly in the middle of yeah. the aisle. Yeah. Conceptually, there's some kind of catalog system here. Yeah. <laughs> but there's got to are- be some Dewey Decimal system in Russia, right? Like, come on. They are looking through these boxes and it's they, – they talk about Raiders of the Lost Ark and it is um, – Hawkeye gives up. He just is like his whole family's dead. Everybody's dead. He got no arm. He just is like, I'm fucking tired of this. We're never going to do it. And the whole time this is happening, he's like one box over from the box yeah. they need and, and the, the watcher, watcher like, is right – there. It's right there. Fucking, it, the watcher is like your friend watching you play a video game and they're like, oh, open that door. Open that door. Yeah. yeah. like, dude, I will. Yeah. Yeah. press x press x well i mean like i said he's the guy yelling at the screen in the, in yeah. the movie like, he definitely is so they they have this sequence where we establish how sad hawkeye is um because that's going to come to play later on and they find this box with the arnim zola information the soviets also had their own arnim zola i guess that at the end of world war ii the allies split up armin zola into multiple pieces and the I soviets got, got it's one. a little i was trying to remember if in winter soldier we see Armin Zola in that Winter Soldier place or not? No, we do not. Well, I think we see a when we see the TV setup. We really don't spend a lot of time in that place because that's where they go. They go in Siberia yeah. to the place from Winter Soldier, and this episode is just basically hitting all the landmarks from the Marvel universe thus far. And um, there they find the computer Armin Zola. They turn him on. They have a conversation with him. Um, it's a little bit of wheel spinning here, uh, where he's just like, "Why would I ever help you, Fraulein?" And uh, which really raises the question of why do they even care anymore? They can't be the only two left. It doesn't make sense if they're the only two left. I mean, they were the only ones in, they were the only ones in the air, I guess them and everybody on airplanes, but they're also running around and, and it's hard to know. I don't know much about nuclear winter, but I feel like it would be a long time before you could walk around again. Right, like, it would be a long know. time, but also Ultron launched every nuclear missile. Yeah, 
so it isn't just like one side did it. It's like literally every yeah, it's everywhere. Went off. Like, like, the entire so, world is wrecked. But like, yeah, just, but it's it's unclear. I think that there's no answer to this question. The question that I have is an emotional question, which is why do they want to beat Ultron? Yeah, because what like, what do they hope to accomplish? Because they don't know that he's going to other universes. They, they, they know he's off planet. They don't know he's off universe. And they don't even know what he's doing off planet. They don't. I mean, maybe no. Maybe. They know he's off planet because they say uh, uh, Black Widow says to Zola, "He's off planet. This is so your she chance. Knows. We want you to get in now because he's off planet. He won't sense you taking over the hive." So I guess they know that he's conquering other other worlds. Then I guess is the concept. Yeah. So they need they need to stop him from destroying. They don't know that he's already destroyed all life in the universe, which feels like a big fucking task. But um, they don't know that he's done that already. I guess. Yeah. Okay, that makes more sense. They think they're saving other planets at this point. Because I just was like, if if you knew that he did, did it, like, what are you doing? Like, nothing can be saved. <laughs> like, you but defeat again, him I feel just like for they the can't sake be of the only two him? humans left. I feel like there's got to be a society somewhere. Maybe. That they're fighting to help. Perhaps we'll find out next episode. Because they get Zola on their team, and they come up with a plan where they're going to download Zola into a um, a tech arrow. A, U- yes. a USB drive arrow. Yes, is what a Hawkeye has, which I actually thought was smart. I it's I mean it's straight out of Green Arrow, you know. I mean, but it's not like a it's not like a crazy thing to invent. It no. feels like a reasonable no, thing to really invent. Reasonable. Yeah, in this day and age, like being able to shoot an arrow into a USB drive or whatever makes a lot of fucking sense, yeah. right? Yeah. The thing is, is that I think everybody knows you can't get a USB in the first time. No, not even but Hawkeye. He's Hawkeye. No, he, nope. I guess he can. He's Hawkeye. Not even Hawkeye can get a USB in. That would have been a good joke if they did that. Uh, And so the plan is that they're going to – Nat gets on the phone and calls Avengers HQ and orders a pizza to bring some sentries to them because they're going to shoot Arnim Zola into the sentry and have him take over the network. Yes. And then they wait. Two minutes later, sentries show up. I have a small problem with this sequence. Okay. In the KGB headquarters, she got the the shield of – what's his name? Red Guardian. Yeah. That's cute, right? Because that's like um, that's like an immediate reference, like that. You know what I mean? Like that. Like Black Widow had to come out for that reference to make sense, and it just came out recently. It's it's cool, right? Yeah. The thing is, is that when the robots show up and she throws the shield around, she is like a next level fucking expert. Yep. And I feel like Falcon Winter Soldier established she got to practice, but I just feel like having a lot of characters that can throw shields around like that really cheapens Captain America. Well, the, I, this is an ongoing problem in comics in general, and it's going to sooner or later hit the movies and TV shows more, is the more you have a singular character who becomes multiple, they're not that special. Right. Right. I mean, there's like seven different Spider-Mans running around now, so Spider-Man's not that special. You know, there's 10 different Captain Americas running around, so Captain America's not that special. There's... Th- five or nine or whatever flashes, you know? So like you run into this thing where they're just, they don't stand out as much anymore. Right. And this is why we will once again in comics, at least have another reboot for universes where people just get wiped away or they change their names to something else so that they're not, you know, because Spider-Man needs to stand out again. You know, Superman can't have a, uh, you know, an entire planet of Kryptonians, because then he's not that special anymore, is he? So we got to get rid of that again. And like we keep running through these cycles. And we'll do that with these movies and stuff too sooner or later. Yeah, yeah. 
It's, it, but it's weird though. Like I just feel like that she should not have this um, amount of ability. Yeah, she's really, she's really bouncing over everything. It just feels like a, well, I know especially it's, in it's, the, it's, she, she doesn't have super soldier serum in, in these, in the movies. Like in the comics, she has super soldier serum, so it makes a little more sense. There's like, okay, right? She's got, she's got heightened abilities, right? But in this, she doesn't. So it's kind of like, mm. but I guess at the same the time, is, Falcon and Falcon's doing it. So yeah, but he practiced. Yeah, well, she might have practiced. We don't know what she's been doing for however long. Well, she only just got it. They went from. Well, well, th- this is this is one mistake I think they they make in this one, and they made it I think as well in the zombie one. Mix up the the pieces. Cat America's dead. Give somebody else the shield. You know, uh, right. Iron, like like they did it kind of with uh, where uh, Happy has one of Iron Man's gauntlets, and that's really cool. Like you should do more stuff like that when you're doing all the heroes are dead, except for like the, a handful. Like mixing all the bits. I always like that. Well, they fight these robots that come in. There's like some dog Ultrons in there too, which I like quite a bit. Yeah. And uh, they have this whole plan where they fight these Ultrons and uh, Hawkeye gets the arrow into the eye of one of them and uh, Zola begins downloading himself into the Ultron. They fight. They 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 go into this room where the Ultrons are breaking through the door. They estimate they only have a couple of seconds before the door is broken down. And um, But Zola is able to download into the Ultrons. Well, and then they shoot off his legs. And then they shoot off his legs to make sure that he does not do any funny business. I liked actually it was very smart, I thought. Yeah, it was. You don't want Arnim Zola in a fucking Ultron body. You just it's no. bad it's a bad idea. Yeah. And so he's got no legs. I have no legs. And uh he's able to control the entire Ultron network. He blasts out. The problem yeah. is he's only able to blast out a little bit because he cannot connect to the hive mind. So it only buys them a couple of seconds, and they're, uh, they have to run away as the Ultrons bust through the door. Like, what happened? This doesn't work. Or this should have worked. They go through the missile silo in which they escape from in um, Civil War, and uh, they make their way up. Um, there's like just a fucking horde of Ultrons behind them. They are not going to be able to outrun them. And Hawkeye sacrifices his life much as he should have in Avengers Endgame. <laughs> yeah, he fixes your problem. He really does. This is the correct death. And... Hawkeye does this thing where um, I did not imagine he would have it, but he has a nuclear bomb arrow in his quiver. Yes, which, again, that's directly from Green Arrow. Green Arrow is a nuclear bomb arrow? In uh, the – I think it's in the Injustice miniseries that they did or series that they did based on the games. And there's a bit where they're like – it's him and I think Harley Quinn and like Black Widow or – Black Canary and Harley Quinn grabs one of the arrows from his back and she's getting ready to throw it. He's like, no, that's a nuclear bomb arrow. And they're like, why do you have a nuclear bomb arrow? He's like, you never know. You never know what you're going to need. I mean, this may not be a nuclear bomb arrow, but it does seem like it might be a tactical nuke. It's a pretty fucking intense explosion. And there's like a good bit where Hawkeye is falling and then he fires the arrow down and it blows up and it just incinerates all the Ultrons and him and this this fire comes out of the silo. It's it's a good moment. It's very slow mo. It's like they're really doing like a Zack Snyder moment here. Yeah, there's like him far away shot where Mm -hmm. he's very coming down towards the demons and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's very much a Zack Snyder. This is uh, the Zack Snyder enters the Marvel Cinematic Universe right here. Um, up above, um, down to even Hawkeye's entire thing is like I don't know if there's anything worth fighting for. So he's like, I'm, ti- I'm tired of fighting. Yeah, that's what they, they set him up being real sad so that this is yeah. why he's going to go kill himself for the uh, – His family's family. dead. I get it. Um, so it turns out the reason why Zola could not get in touch with 
the hive mind is because the hive mind's not in the universe anymore. Yes. And he's like, these robots connect interstellar distances. Like I can talk to every robot in the universe and uh, the hive mind is no longer in the universe. And so she's like, what the fuck does that mean? And what that means is that uh, Ultron has showed up at the nexus of realities where Uatu lives. And um, which my girlfriend, by the way, <laughs> gave him his new nickname. Uh, she sees him and she goes, oh, it's old baby head. So <laughs> that's my reaction to <laughs> old baby head. Well, if it is an old baby head, that sounds like the greatest like country blues song I've never heard. Let me tell you old about ba- old baby head, old baby head. So old baby head uh, saw everything, always knew what was happening, but could never, <laughs> but could never take part in all the fun and games. That was the curse of old baby head. That was the curse <laughs> of old baby head. So uh, Ultron busts in, and uh, at first Watcher thinks that he gets the upper hand and kicks him out, but no, he's able to fucking bust in another door. And um, uh, Watu puts on his battle armor. Yes. It's pretty cool. And then uh, they have <laughs> – Here what? comes more Funkos. That's what he says then. Uh, he has had battle armor in the No, comic. I know. This I, is, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, this is going to be 100% of Funko. And then uh, the fight begins, and they have like a pretty intense fight. Like they blow through a bunch of realities. Um, yes. And I think that they're fun. They're like fun realities that we're never going to see a what if of. But it's like I think one of them is 1619, isn't it? it the well, the ultimate universe where Captain America becomes president? Well, Captain America does become president in one of these, um, which is the f- the world they end up like landing in. Yeah. Um, they and fly that, through a bunch of worlds. That's um, the ultimate universe in the comics, at least. That's, he probably you know, becomes ca- uh, president in a bunch of universes. There's also a what if. Isn't there also a what if where he becomes president? Probably. I don't remember. I'm not going to look it up while we're on the air. That's no longer yeah. my bit. My bit is no longer middle-aged man looking up trivia in okay. the middle of a podcast. Uh, Sorry. That's okay. Uh, I've decided to give that bit up. I'll probably okay. just, I'll pick it up again next episode. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> it's just because this episode's running long already. Um, yeah. So they fight through all these different realities. It's pretty cool. Like, and it's like there's like they 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 have the different realities, both like in terms of like environment. It's like fire, snow, you know, uh, ruins, castles, but also like the bystanders change uh, all the yeah. time. Yeah. And Ultron um, is just beating the shit out of the Watcher. And every time he punches him, reality shifts around them. That was very fucking cool. It was, cool. Very cool. It was, it was super very cool. fucking cool. Yeah, it was very cool. Um, and this is like a big anime fight that they have. Like it's like a big – his power levels are over 9,000. Um, yes. Dragon Ball element yeah. to this. But, well, and, what, what the Watcher at one point when the Watcher puts on his armor, he's like, I have power. You can't compute. <laughs> it's like – the power levels over nine thousand, uh, yep. but uh, it's like it's a it's like pretty cool. Um, it's a pretty cool fight. It's like it's like really fun. And this is another fight that I was like, I want this in the movies. Loki comes close to this, like you know what I mean. Like Loki plays with this, but I really want to see. These are also cosmic entities, and I want to see cosmic entities doing this stuff. Yeah, in, yeah. In, in the movies, it's interesting because they haven't introduced some of the higher level cosmic entities, so they can't run into Eternity or the In Betweener or any of these guys. Yeah. Um, they have to hold back on those because this would be a good spot well, they, for those characters to show up. What's it called? Did this kind of uh, Guardians Two, right? Where they're they're bouncing through all the different things. Is uh, that Guardians Two where they're doing that, or is that? Oh no, you know what I'm thinking? Of? I'm thinking of Solo. They do in Solo where they keep doing the quick warp, right? No, that's uh, Rise of Skywalker. 
Oh, that is Rise of Skywalker. Okay, yeah. I knew it was yeah, they're one just something. Doing, they're just doing Quip War, but that's just different planets. This is like but, more But it's fun a cool idea where like it's like boom, shift, boom, shift. Right. And like that's a fun concept. And they're doing it's a fun that concept. as well where yeah. it's boom, shift, boom, shift. And it's exciting yeah, to see. It's, it's really cool. I think the effect of how the realities change, the, the digital effect, I think, is like a little wink to the idea that this is digital animation. Yeah. The same way that you might have the watcher busting through a comic panel into the next panel. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like it has yeah. that fun feeling to it. Um, and uh, basically Ultron more or less wins and like mocks the shit out of him too because he's like, look, you've just been fucking watching everybody. You could be out here having fun. Isn't it better to be here? And uh, Watu escapes – and he finds himself in the prison cell of evil Doctor Strange. Yeah. And evil Doctor Strange is like, you're going to have to break your oath. Say, Say the, the words. Word. You're yep. going to have to break your oath. And the Watcher says, fine, I really need your help. And he really I goes, am, I am daddy's number one candy baby. I am, I am daddy's number one candy baby. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, he really does need that help because Ultron has, in fact, taken control of the Watcher's little perch and has access to every reality yeah. across the multiverse. And that's the end of the episode. What did you think I'm of this one? I'm real torn on this one. Yeah. Well, a lot of it I did not enjoy. But then that fight between the Watcher and, and and Ultron is pretty awesome. So I don't know. I think that a lot of the stuff with Clint and Nat feels a lot like um, filler. Yes, frankly, yeah. Um, and I think I, that they're obviously going to be how they win the get day with that Zola. I feel like, but because um, they're not dead, right? Like they're not gone. Well, Clint is. Right, but Zola and Nat are not, yeah, right? So yeah. like so those characters are still left at the end of the episode. So it's it feels like filler, but I suspect it's gonna be the solution at the end of next episode. Otherwise this bad storytelling to have make us spend that much time with these versions of the characters and then not do anything with it. Yeah. Um but, I wish also that they gotten what's his name? To to voice Ultron? James Spader. James Spader? Because like yeah. nothing that's the guy who does the voice. It just isn't – it doesn't work as well, you know? I think I think Ultron felt off because the voice was not proper to me. So, Yeah, he's obviously doing a uh, – he's obviously doing an impersonation, right? Yeah. Because yeah. Spader was doing like a voice in that in that movie, so he's like doing a version of Spader doing the thing. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I thought actually there was like a really quick moment where I was like, who's this guy doing a bad Toby Jones impression? But it was Toby, Toby Jones. Jones. Yeah. That's, like a, that's like a real what-if staple though. You yes, hear an actor go, who's doing this? Everyone, yeah. I'm like, who's doing this bad? Oh, it is them. Yeah. Jeremy Renner, um, I think, has a long career of uh, voice acting ahead of him though. I thought he was really good. He does like a lot of uh, TV commercials. He does do a lot, and also he's uh, he's got his music, so he knows. How and to he work. also has the Renner app, so he yes. probably records voice messages on the Renner app before yeah. he. Had but but I really, I did, I really thought he did good work. I, I he really know. did very good work. He did. Yeah. He did the thing. Too many voice. Too many um, live action actors that go to voice. I think try to oversell it. And yeah. He's not overselling it. He's just acting it, and I think that he understands how to act it at the right pitch to make it really work. Yeah, I agree. Um, he was really, 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 really terrific. Did you get mad when Uatu said, "What the hell"? I thought you might. I thought of you no, immediately. No, I didn't mind that. I mean, it's a phrase, and in theory, hell exists within the Marvel universe. So, you know, I, I was more annoyed when he was like standing behind Ultron narrating. 
And it became clear that he actually is just narrating in real time. And Ultron's like, what the hell? <laughs> like, like, that was weird. To me. And he talks about himself in third person. It was very weird. I thought that was really funny. I thought that was really, really, I just like a really funny scene. I thought that was really, really good. But I don't think that. it's supposed to be funny is the problem. Yeah, that's okay though. I think that a lot of this stuff, even in the comics, when it's not supposed to be funny, is also funny at the same yeah. time. And it's yeah. like, that's sort of the appeal of these, um, sort of the appeal of these big stories is that they're both really cool and super fucking silly at the exact same time. Yeah. That's my, that's my favorite bronze age Marvel story is like big and silly. Like the Korvac saga is silly as shit. I mean like, but yeah. it's fucking yeah. awesome, you know? Yeah. And, and, and that's where like the best Grant Morrison stuff lives as well is like, right. Yeah. With such Grant Morrison stories as Watchmen. Yes. <laughs> v for Vendetta. <laughs> Grant Morrison's classic from hell. <laughs> <laughs> Which he did with Billy Campbell, the actor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so I liked it. I you know I thought that again. I thought that the um, Clint Nat stuff was felt like a lot of filler, but I thought that the action was really good in those scenes, so I didn't mind it that much. <clears throat> but I was so excited to finally see like real cosmic shit in one of these things. It was nice to see cosmic shit. I just. I just don't – I'm just not into the show. I just can't get into it. And knowing that it's all going to be interconnected is really annoying me. And like if you're going to do an anthology, do an anthology. Don't, you know, because I feel like that right away you're you're sabotaging yourself where you can't actually have these stories get real crazy because you're going to want them to come back and do stuff. And I find that very annoying. I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see what happens in season two. They've already announced they're doing a season two, right? So, yeah. like, is season two going to be like just Uatu, like recruiting dudes from the universe, or is it just going to go back to anthology? Well, the, it's weird. One of the one of the producers said that uh, everything is going to be connected. It's all it's all going to be explained. Um, it's just like weird to do this in your first season. I feel like. Yeah, yeah, I don't disagree. You know what I mean? Like your whole first season is predicated on breaking the format immediately. Or- I think I think you said it with the previous episode. The first episode should have been "What if Ultron won?" What? You know, and then you go from there. Like, so you yeah. set this up in the first one, so we know it's going somewhere. Instead of trying to make us think that this is all disconnected, right? Separate stories, and then being like, "Not really." <laughs> I mean, it feels like it backfired on them because this show just does not get the fucking buzz that any of their other stuff gets. No, there's no discussion of this. Like, I don't even have to stay offline if I haven't watched it because nobody's spoiling it. It, it, there's such a little discussion about it that I, th- with this episode, I forgot that it was out. <laughs> like, like, like it was like Wednesday night or Thursday night, and like I was like, "Oh, there's a what if?" That's right. But you know, this episode, watching the action in this one, I mean, they've had really good action the whole series, I think. But this one yes. was really fucking awesome. And this was like now that Marvel's doing like an animation studio, I'm like super excited because they do have the vision to do the big superhero action. Take it to the next level beyond what they've done, and like so, like, like, and as you mentioned, we've been talking about before, like Ultron is more creative with the stones than Thanos was. Like, there is yeah. a part where he just blasts the Watcher with them. Like, what, I hate when sure, they do that. They yeah, energy. do that sometimes. But he also does, like, he does become a giant being that bites a galaxy in half. I mean, that's yeah. like so fucking cool. They're, they're and punching that's what, each other through realities. That's great. Right. You can't beat that. Right. So that's the thing is if you're going to have fisticuffs, your fisticuffs have to take on an almost metaphorical quality to them in that yeah. way. Uh, I think that really, really makes which, a big difference. It, which is something, and you see that kind of thing often in comics, but most recently in 
uh, at least in, in my mind, is Dark Knight's death metal, where Wonder Woman is fighting Darkest Knight, and they're punching each other through time and space. And that recreates the entire DC universe that way. And it's like, that's great. That's a fun way to do it. Like, how much fun is that? That's way better than they're just standing on a corner fighting. Like, that's not fun. But watching, like, she hits him so hard that he travels back in time to 1902 is like, that's crazy. <laughs> like, that's, that's, wow, look at that. You know? That's the fun stuff you can do with superheroes and comic book stuff is get real wild with it. Go for it. And in the movies, they tend to not do that. And that makes me sad. So I was excited to see that here. Yeah, so, you know, I... I... I mean, I do think that at the end of the day, what if is going to turn out to be the least of all the Marvel things? Well, we'll see what happens. I mean, I mean, I guess the final episode could really fucking bring it together. Well, I'm just saying that we're looking at like 30 to 40 years more Marvel stuff. So I'm saying to 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 date, it's the least. Well, the Incredible Um, Hulk is still out there. I think that even has more stuff to it than I like than this. Yeah, this I'm never going to revisit this. No, neither am I. Either, Never. There's no chance. There's zero chance of that. Well, Thor: The Dark World. Don't forget that. I've one. watched that a couple of times. I like that. Have one. you? Yeah. So yeah. I don't, I don't. I don't hate it. I mean, like it's fine. I think this. I think it's actually overhated. Um, uh, That's only because it's the same guy who did uh, Saints of Newark, and now you love him so much. <laughs> I've always been a <laughs> Thor: The Dark World. I'm not even a defender. I'm just like it isn't that bad. Like it's like that. That's my take on it. Eh, it's all right. Uh, it wasn't the end of the fucking world. Um, but I think that what if is the worst thing in Marvel to date. Yeah. And I think it's like fine. I think it's not like horrible. I'm like, I'm not like, you know, I don't, I would, I, you know, if I didn't have a podcast, would I be watching this week after week? I'm not sure. I definitely would not. Uh, but we're almost done next week. I, I would have maybe waited for it all to be finished. And then like on like a Saturday, been like, all right, Go I'll through just finish it. through it, you know, and then that's it. But I certainly wouldn't watch them each twice. That's for sure. <laughs> You're watching them all one more time than I am. So yeah. very early watch on. Watch it once to pay attention and then watch it once to take notes. I I couldn't watch them twice. It's rough some days. <laughs> it really is. To, like today when you said, yeah, we'll do Marvel Vision today. I was like, fuck. Oh, you <laughs> hadn't couple, watched it yet? I hadn't watched it for the second time yet. No. Oh, okay. <clears throat> um, well, next week is going to be the finale of What If. So that'll be the finale of this season of Marvel Vision. So that feels pretty good. Yeah. And then does Hawkeye start right after that, or is there? I don't space? think it starts. I think we have some space. We have some space, so um, we'll probably have a couple weeks off. I don't think we're going to do a wrap up episode on this, unless the episode next episode blows us out the fucking water and makes us really reconsider the all the previous episodes. Yeah. yeah so, I don't know. I don't know. but we'll f- we'll figure that. I think Hawkeye is not going to debut until after the Eternals. Okay. Okay. So, uh, Are we do you do, have uh, what's it called? That other cartoon, the Hit Monkey. Hit monkey? I don't think so. I mean, I guess, you know, if people out there listening to this have an opinion on that, um, let us know. But I don't or think some so. some other old Marvel show or something? Well, we're going to take a little break, and then we might bring it back before Hawkeye uh, uh, premieres. We, we can watch the old Ralph Bashke, uh Spider-Mans. Well, you know what I would like to watch um, is uh, – Hawkeye's debuting November 24th, so we're going to actually have okay. a pretty good um, uh, gap. What yeah. I'd like to do in the off-season is watch the Incredible Hulk movies, the TV movies. Oh, yeah. Are those are those available? Well, we'll find them. Okay. 
<laughs> we will find them somewhere. We'll I have not watched best. them since they originally aired. The Trial of the Incredible Hulk and then the one with Thor. There's three of them, aren't there? Are there's there's the Return of the Incredible Hulk, the Trial of the Incredible Hulk, and the Death of the Incredible Hulk. I believe there's the three of them. Okay, well, we'll get started on that trilogy. Yeah. We'll try to find them. There's no promise. We'll try to find them. I think they are hard to find, Um, but we will try to find them. It is always shocking that the Netflix Daredevil show is more of a a copy of the Daredevil from the Incredible Hulk TV movie than from the comics. So he wears a black suit in the TV movie. Yeah, he sure sure does. Um, I don't I don't know where you can find it. Watch the movie. I'm going to click here. Now I've now I've it's it's on it's on Tubi. It's on Google Play, Amazon Prime Video. Oh, wow. All right. Yeah. There you go. So we'll be able to watch at least Trial of the Incredible Hulk. That, that one, I, I, God, I, I don't know why I remember those. Because we were all kids the things they, in my life. We, we were kids when they came out and they had other superheroes in them. It was fucking amazing at the time. That's well, why. I, I, and I mean, I loved the Incredible I still love the Incredible Hulk TV show. I still think it's one of the most brilliant TV shows ever made because it is, you know, what it's set on a timer 30 minutes, he becomes the Hulk. 30 minutes later, he's going to become the Hulk. Like, this is how it works. Every episode. We got things to do, and then he's going to walk away all sad. That's how it works. And it, I love journeyman shows. Those are my favorite types of shows. Yeah, those are good shows. shows. Those are good shows. They don't exist anymore. It's very funny. No, we don't, we, don't, we don't make those anymore. Um, but we'll be back next week with that finale, and then we'll take a small break and then we'll come back with some of these incredible Hulk movies. Um, we'll talk about those. Those are, I mean, I technically, those are TV. So that those count for this show. Those do not count in Watchmen. Yeah. Cause those were TV movies originally. Yeah. They were I know maybe you want to do some of the old like sixties, seventies cartoons. Cause those are all maybe, on Disney. Maybe I would like to see how much live action stuff we can do. There's like the, yeah. um, there's the, um, David Hasselhoff, Nick Fury, agent of shield. Oof. <laughs> would, would, would we do the the doctor strange knockoff movie um there's a doctor strange pilot it, 1977 78 is this the the charles band one no there's a about. pilot no you're okay. thinking dr morbid or something like that yeah where, where it was dr strange and then in the last minute they lost the rights so they just changed the name no there's a tv pilot i did not know you've that. never seen the tv pilot for dr strange i don't think so it's it's not great. Uh, <laughs> it is it is hard to watch because it is really fucking boring. It aired as a movie of the week. It never made it past pilot stage. It aired okay. as a movie of the week, and uh, it was at the same time that they were doing the Hulk, and at the same time they were doing Spider Man live action. Spider-Man. What about Japanese Spider Man? We could do that too. We have all these things possible. That's I mean, like crazy. we're gonna have we're gonna potentially have breaks in the Marvel Vision lineup. And while I like to take a little bit of a breather, um, we can always come back and do these uh, these things as well. Yeah. So, uh, but that's it for this week, I think. Right? You got anything else to say about this episode of What If? Uh, about old baby head. <laughs> old baby head. Old baby head. Oh, I love that name. The old uh, baby head show. I really did like Ultron just cutting Thanos in half. I thought that was great. I like Ultron in this. All the Ultron, Thanos, Watu stuff is great in this. It's just the Clint and Natasha stuff that just feels really extraneous. Yeah, I don't know why that's in there. I, I don't know what purpose that serves. Like, you could have started the Because it's going to be the with, solution. It's going to be the solution. That's why. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Are they? I can't imagine they're going to wrap this all up in the next episode, right? Oh, maybe they are. Who knows? What do I know? <laughs> well, I guess we'll find out on Friday morning. <laughs> 
won't we? Wednesday or Wednesday it? morning? It's Wednesday morning. Yeah, you're right. Wednesday morning. The show's supposed to come out on Fridays. That's what it, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I think that wraps it up for us this week. So if you like listening to us, just run out of steam here at the end of this episode. You might enjoy listening to us do the same thing on our Star Wars podcast called The Bad Batch. That's available to one dollar and above subscribers at the Patreon www.patreon.com/slash/cinemasanga s a n g h a. And for five dollars and above, you get both The Bad Batch and also Watchmen our superhero movie deep dive podcast where we're going to talk about um, Venom 2 Let There Be Carnage in our next episode. But right Greatest now, if you go back, we have Shang-Chi, we have Black Widow, we have The Suicide Squad. That's just the last three. Each of those are over two hours in length. You're getting a lot of content for that $5. Plus, you're helping subsidize this free podcast for everybody. You really make a difference in our lives. Thanks to all of our subscribers. If you can't subscribe, thank you for listening anyway, and thank you for rating and, subs- and, and liking and subscribing and all that business that you can do like for free. Leaving us a review is really terrific. If it's a good review, please do it. If it's a bad review, just keep it to yourself. No need to spread negativity into the universe. Yeah, just Really every, hold now it then, every now and then when you find listeners will send me a message on Twitter and it's always pretty nice. Sometimes not nice. That's not, I don't need the not nice ones. I, <laughs> I can mean, do it out there. You getting mean ones? Not mean. Like they're not being mean, but they're like, how'd you get this wrong? And it's like, Hey, you know, we're talking off the top of our heads most of the time. Like, so I have this thing, uh, having worked for many years on the internet, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, you're listening to this. Love you. I love you. You're great. We're friends of ours, hundred percent. But the best way to get a feedback from your listeners or readers is to get a, make a mistake because people want to respond. If there's a mistake, they are less likely to respond. If everything is like buttoned up and good, they're yeah. less likely to have anything to say. It's when there's a mistake, they feel really motivated. There was a period in my career where I felt like I wanted to insert mistakes on purpose just to get comments just to see, because yeah. you wouldn't get comments on certain articles if everything was just like in order, like they just, yeah. nobody would say anything. So yeah. you might want to like make a mistake just to open the fucking comment section up. Um, yeah. and that, that's a big thing on podcasts because podcasts create what we call a parasocial relationship where we're talking to each other and we're doing it in the middle of somebody else's head. So they feel very close to us as a result. I think you have a similar relationship with some of the podcasts that you listen to where yes. you feel very close to the people that you're listening to. It's the most oh, yes. intimate yeah. medium, I think in many ways. And so that I think is part of what really drives people to do that. I don't think they're being mean or bad. No, no, um, no, 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 that, no, that, you know, I, it, it's a, very, it's a very interesting thing in that there are certain things that you'll say to me that I'll let, I'm like, yeah, okay, we're brothers. And then somebody will say it to me in a tweet. Cause you called me that or whatever. I'm like, Hey, fuck you. <laughs> like, like, Hey, we're not brothers. So yeah, well, that's, space that's, is needed. That's part of the game though, bro. Is that like people, yeah develop relationships with us and you have to take it with some yeah, other it's, it's a thing of like well also you are spending far too much time listening to me so the least i can do is you know not be annoyed by you also so, also some upset. money quite frankly so yes. if people want to call you a cocksucker i feel like they paid they paid money for that that privilege so <laughs> just don't call me old baby head just don't call me old baby head <laughs> call me whatever you like but don't call me old baby head don't call me late for dinner <laughs> All right. Uh, so that's this week's episode. We'll see you guys again next week. We'll have a new episode of The Bad Match coming soon. We're behind on these shows because I had the temerity to take a vacation. I apologize for that. Uh, but we're going to catch up with The Bad Match in the next couple of days. We're going to have a new episode of Watchmen in the next couple of days. And until next time, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be well. But most of all, may you be a true believer.